Welcome to Quick Consult, the podcast that addresses the questions you are most likely to ask or should ask in a consultation with an estate planning attorney. Hello, welcome to Quick Consult. I'm your host, Sarah Josie, an estate planning attorney licensed to practice law in Virginia and North Carolina. Today's Quick Consult is going to focus on advanced medical directives. Uh, Advanced medical directives can come under a lot of different names. Sometimes they're referred to as living wills. So we'll talk a little bit about what an advanced medical directive will do for you, what it won't do for you, what it won't cover, and whether you should include one in your estate plan. The term advanced medical directive is my preferred term and the term I'll be using throughout this discussion because I think it describes the purpose of this document Perfectly. It is a document where you are giving a directive regarding a medical decision, your medical decision, but it's made in advance of when you actually have to make this medical decision. So, advanced medical directive. It's all right there in the name. This is in contrast to a term like living will, which a lot of clients come to me. They they've they've heard this term. They uh, I think it's common out in the community, very popular term, but I do not like it. It says nothing about what the document is for, and a lot of times clients are confused as to what the purpose of this document is, thinking that it's actually a last will and testament. This is especially confusing as people get older. Maybe they start getting a little bit confused in their day-to-day. They check on their estate planning documents. They see they have something called a living will, and all of a sudden they think they've done death planning when, in fact, all they've done is incapacity planning, and they end up passing away without a death plan in place. So I am an advocate of changing the name, getting the name away from living will. Let's call it advanced medical directive. Throughout today's discussion, I might say advanced directive, advanced medical directive, or end up using the acronym AMD, but everyone should know what I mean by this. So what does an AMD do for you? AMDs are definitely unique to each state. Each state's going to have some specific language on the books about what you are allowed to make directives about when you're unable to be there to, or when you're mentally not there to to state what your wishes are. So for example, in Virginia, they say that if you are in a vegetative state such that you cannot be revived, then you can request that life support be removed. It's ultimately two doctors that make this decision after examining you. Um, and they confirm you are, in fact, in a vegetative state. That term is specifically defined within the document, and then they remove that life support if that is what you want and what you state in your advanced medical directive. You can see this in contrast to the other state I practice in, in North Carolina. The term they used here in North Carolina is advanced directive for a natural death, And they give you three options to choose from where you can withhold life prolonging measures. So you can choose one of these, you can choose all three or two, but you have to use this language. So this language is, number one, I have an incurable or irreversible condition that will result in my death within a relatively short period of time. Number two, 
It is determined that I am unconscious, and my healthcare providers determine that, to a high degree of medical certainty, I will never regain my consciousness. Or number three, I suffer from advanced dementia or any other condition which results in the substantial loss of my cognitive ability, and my healthcare providers determine that, to a high degree of medical certainty, this loss is not reversible. So as you can see, that's a big difference right there between North Carolina and Virginia about the language that's used. Virginia is a little bit broader in its language. It doesn't have those three different options laid out. Um, so you would definitely want to check with an estate planning attorney in your state and see what your state's requirements are. But at the end of the day, basically what you're saying in an AMD is that you don't want to be kept on life support. If there's no brain activity, if there's a very small probability to zero that you're going to be coming out of that coma, you do not want to be hooked up to a machine for a long period of time. So let's talk about what it's not. What, is, what does an AMD not do for you? The biggest thing to note here is that an AMD is not a DNR, a do not resuscitate order. DNRs are something that requires a medical professional, a doctor to be involved, and it's a discussion that you would have with your doctor before anything is signed regarding a DNR. DNRs are a lot more extreme. In an AMD, you can think of it more like, you know, you've been in this coma, you've been sick for a long time, there's no brain activity going on here, versus you're dying they could do something like shock your heart, for example, to bring you back to life. But because you signed a DNR, they're just going to let you die naturally. So those are two, those are two major differences there. So to be very clear, an AMD is not a DNR. An AMD is also not a right to die declaration. So you may be familiar that in some states, there has been legislation that has passed that allows you to uh, basically have physician-assisted suicide. This is not what an AMD is. An AMD, again, is for when you've, you've already gotten to the point where you would be dead if it weren't for the machines versus a right-to-die state of physician-assisted suicide is you're living, you're terminal, uh, but you're alive, you are, you're awake, you're communicating, and you sign a statement that you want to have a physician assist you in dying because you're in so much pain or whatever the case may be. So again, right to die and AMD are two separate things. And then finally, an advanced medical directive is not a healthcare power of attorney. A healthcare power of attorney is a document where you nominate an agent to make healthcare decisions on your behalf. An AMD is a document where you make the decision. You've made it already in advance, in writing. You've signed it. You've said under these specific circumstances, I don't want to be kept on life support. Versus a healthcare power of attorney, they go to your agent and say, what does this person want? And then they follow what your agent says. So again, completely separate uh, ideas here. 
That being said, a lot of times advanced directives are included with a healthcare power of attorney. So you'll find them in one document. And the big reason for that, why attorneys do that, is because it's important for the doctors to know whether or not you have an advanced directive. It's important for your agent to know what your wishes are when it comes to your advanced directive. And so by keeping it all in one document where you have an advanced directive and healthcare power of attorney together, we know that all the players that are involved in your care are aware of both your advanced directive and your healthcare power of attorney. So the big question, do you need one for your estate plan? And of course, the answer is it depends on your unique situation. But what it really comes down to is who is going to decide to turn off life support? If you're comfortable with that answer being medical professionals who have evaluated you and are carrying out the terms of your advanced directive, then an AMD is appropriate for you. This means the decision is being taken away from your agent, from your spouse, from your loved one, and you are making it today for a situation that could happen in the future. Sometimes that makes people feel uncomfortable. They don't know these future doctors. These doctors have no relationship with you. Um, and so some clients feel like they would prefer for their agent or their spouse to first have a conversation with the doctors and then say, okay, I know that my husband, my wife would not want to be kept on life support under these circumstances. So we're going to go ahead and uh, I'll authorize you to remove that life support. So if you don't have an advanced directive and you just have a healthcare power of attorney, that's okay. It's still going to give some direction. You can still have a conversation with your agent about what you see for your end of life care, but it will ultimately give that decision of when to turn off the machines to your agent in lieu of to you in the situation that was described for the advanced medical directive. So, uh, you know, a lot of times I get asked the question of who, what's, which way happens more often or what do people usually do? And lately, I will say usually people do have an advanced medical directive, but lately I've been starting to see a little bit of a trend where more and more people are just sticking with the healthcare power of attorney. But it really comes down to just your personal preference, your relationship with your agent, and whether or not you're comfortable with your spouse having to be the one to say, or your agent being the one to say, you know, turn off the machines, it's time, versus you making that decision now that you do not want to be kept on life support under the certain circumstances that you list in your advanced directive. So I hope you find these tips helpful and that it gives you some good questions to ask your estate planning attorney. Until next time, I'm Sarah Josie, wishing you and your family all the best wishes and health, and of course, the best planning. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit selectlawpartners.com. The information in this episode is provided for general informational purposes only and may not reflect the current law in your jurisdiction. You understand that there is no attorney-client relationship between you and the host or any select law partner's attorneys. No information contained in this episode should be construed as legal advice from the host 
or select law partners, nor is it intended to be a substitute for legal counsel on any subject matter.